You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is Eye on Foxborough, the premier podcast for all things New England Patriots. Brought to you by Mass Live. Welcome to another edition of Mass Live's Ion Foxborough podcast. I'm Karen Garikian, and I'm thrilled to welcome Solomon Wilcox to the show. He's a former NFL defensive back, an Emmy Award-winning broadcaster. He's the host of Sirius XM's The Opening Drive and Believe in Bengals podcast. Welcome, Solomon. Karen, uh, thank you for having me on with you today. And uh, it's always good to to talk football with you. It sure is. You know, we're eight weeks into this podcast, and I thought it would be a good idea to try and get the perspective of someone kind of outside of New England uh, who covers the NFL and, and add their insights or how they view the Patriots. I mean, we had one of your colleagues, James White, on a few weeks back, and, you know, he was good and and objective. Some people don't think we're quite as objective about our lens looking at the Patriots. So, you know, they they started out one in five. They had a big win Sunday against Buffalo. Uh, Bill Belichick got his 300th win. Uh, But there's been rumblings around New England. you know, that he might not be around much longer as the head coach. When you hear stuff like that, what what do you think? Yeah, I find that hard to believe, to be honest with you, because we're talking about truly one of the legendary coaches that this game has ever seen in the 104-year history of our league. You know, Belichick is on the Mount Rushmore of great coaches, along with uh, Don Shula and George Hallis, the other guys who've won 300 or more games. But, you know, just him as a manager and as a coach, uh, and even if you count the championships, but the games won and the, the careers that he's cultivated since coming into this league, whether it was as a defense coordinator when he was with the Giants or as a head coach with the Patriots, he's left his mark on this game in a way 
where you cannot tell the story of the NFL without talking about Coach Bill Belichick. So uh, I think his legacy is cemented. And I, I just find it hard to believe that Bob Kraft is ready to move on from someone that he knows in the conversations I've had with Mr. Kraft. He knows uh, how great Coach Belichick is as a manager of resources, drafting, and as a head coach. Yeah, I, I also think uh, Robert Kraft it, it doesn't want to let him go and then see him break Shula's record <laughs> somewhere else, Good you know? Point. I think he sort of got burned a little bit by letting Tom go and then have Tom win uh, right immediately after that. So I think I think the Patriots owner might be a little sensitive to that. Uh, you know him fairly well, too. Would you, would you say that, you know, that's part of the equation, perhaps? Yeah. And, and look, uh, you know, Mr. Kraft will let everybody know, right, that he's a, he was a fan first. And he watched as a fan sitting on some of those concrete uh, bleachers <laughs> at the old Foxborough Stadium. And he's seen what poor management looks like mm. um, when you make knee-jerk reactions and, and quick decisions, changing out coaches and quarterbacks and players and keeping that turnstile. He's seen that. He's seen uh, how it doesn't work. And I think he's also seen from a glance how the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, three coaches in the last 55 years and that kind of stability and what it means you it means you play the long game. And uh, if you're going to play the long game, who else would you rather play that with than, than Belichick? And you're right. As we sit here at the uh, time of this recording, um, coach Belichick is 18 games away from tying the great George Hallis for the second most wins as an NFL head coach and what 28 games away from tying the great Don Shula, 29 from becoming the all-time winningest coach. If you're playing the long game, then you continue to, <laughs> to tie yourself to Coach Belichick, and you get to say, I've had the greatest quarterback the game has ever seen, and I've had the greatest head coach the game has ever seen. And both of those records were established right here with the Patriots. Hmm. Well, Coach Belichick also buys the groceries so to speak so he's he has that control over personnel i i mean there are people in place but he always has the final say and there's some school of thought that perhaps take a little some of that power away from him and just have him coach would coach belichick even go along with that at this point i i, I find it hard to believe that he would abdicate uh, an area where he feels like he is a better expert in that space than mm -hmm. someone else. So I don't see him wholeheartedly saying, okay, I'm no longer the general manager, bring someone else in. Mm -hmm. I don't see that now, but what I could see is maybe a sharing of a power through delegation of someone that has worked with him for a long time. Remember, if you're the general manager, if you're the uh, pro personnel guy, if you're selecting talent or weighing in heavily as to who you're going to draft and who you're going to sign, you've got to really be tied in with the head coach in terms of what they run, what, what are, what's the prototypes they're looking for at each position, because uh, what Bill Belichick craves more than anything is versatility within the operation uh, oh. at any position, every single position, the, the ability to be highly adaptable 
And so whoever that person is, they're going to have to be able to work with Coach Belichick to help build the kind of team that still allows for that kind of flexibility. So I don't, I can't imagine that Bob Kraft's going to take that away from Coach Belichick, knowing what all goes into it. They may ask, hey, okay, well, let's get some more people involved. Let's be able to share and make it a more of a collective process. And to that, uh, maybe Belichick say, okay, that's, that's okay. Particularly if everyone in that room or involved in that process is handpicked by him. <laughs> okay, so... So I, I can see it materializing in a lot of different ways. Yeah. I think, you know, the way some people view it, you know, some some of Coach Belichick's decision-making in those areas, like, you know, not putting enough, not spending enough money on offensive talent in an offensive league, uh, you know, focusing more on defense, uh, letting Mac Jones' favorite receiver walk in free agency, bringing in Juju Smith-Schuster, who's obviously uh, been hampered by a knee problem uh, from an injury he suffered uh, in the AFC championship game last year. Decisions like that, you know, having Matt Patricia and Joe Judge run the offense last year. So people, are again, are starting to question Coach Belichick in those regards, and perhaps the game has passed him by a little bit. Yeah, I think, and even rightfully so, and even by Coach Belichick's own metrics, we're all judged by the results, right? We're mm -hmm. all being graded on based on the results that we use. So if you're signing a, a Hunter Henry and a Jonu Smith, you know, you're going to be judged, okay, one worked out, maybe one didn't. Mm -hmm. um, and as to why, I think those are the unique conversations that are being had. And I'm sure about Kraft are having those conversations, but based on him getting satisfactory answers, right? That those are the things that lead to subsequent change or not. You either stay the course based on the information that you get, um, based on the questions you ask, or you decide, okay, let's go ahead and make a change. Let's begin to tweak what we're doing because what we're doing isn't working at a significant enough level to help us be able to win games. I still say it's early in the season. Um, they're coming off a win. Uh, against the Buffalo Bills where they scored the most points they've scored in any game so far this season. And so soon as I, what I found with the Patriots with Belichick or Brady, as soon as you start to write them off, right. As soon as you start to exaggerate their demise, that's exactly what it becomes an exaggeration because they're so good at resurrecting themselves and recreating themselves and sustaining productivity that, man, I find it hard to start throwing dirt on that grave. I really do. So let's talk about the team. You know, they, they were one in five, seemed dead in the water, weren't doing things right, making mistakes left and right, didn't seem to come out prepared. And then they they put forth what I thought was their best effort, effort, emphasis on effort, <laughs> of, of the year against the Bills. And, you know, from a game plan perspective to the execution level of the players, it, it it was by far their best game. The question is, at two and five with a win like that, can this propel a team, or, you know, get them out of the dumps? Yeah, certainly the record doesn't look good uh, 
you know, seven games into the season, right? With two and five. However, we've seen this over the course of the NFL. Think about the the Detroit Lions last year started, what, one and five, one and six in the first seven games. And then they turn around. I think they win eight of their last nine games or some crazy. They just go on a run. And that that can happen um, in our league. And it can happen with the Patriots. And that's what I think the evaluation is going to be on. It's going to be on the the full body of work, uh, not like just September, right? Mm-hmm. Or uh, the first half of the season. It's going to really come to the entire season. And that's why I've, I I kind of like just remain reticent to say, okay, here's what needs to happen here. I want to see how this turns out. Because even if you go back to Sunday's game against the Buffalo Bills, came in red hot, did the Buffalo Bills, right? And look at what the Patriots did. They did something they hadn't done all season. There was nothing about going into that game that told us that, oh, the Patriots are going to score on six of their nine possessions in the game. They're going to have a 66% scoring drive rate. No way. They couldn't score at all. They were one of the last-ranked scoring teams in the NFL, averaging 12 points per game. And then they come out and score 29. So every things can turn on a dime. When things click, they click. And it certainly looked like they were clicking against the Bills – defense it looked like Josh Allen had came back in the game and mm-hmm. here is uh, Matt Jones who had turned it over in just about every game this season has a game where he has no turnovers with a minute 58 left to play he takes him right down the field 69 yards scoring drive game winning touchdown to Mike Gusecki mm-hmm. and they get the win against a really good Bills defense so uh, there was nothing that would have uh, foretold that kind of outcome and that kind of performance against the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. To that point, too, speaking of Mac, and I'm not sure you're thinking on him, but he had not had a signature drive like that at the end of the game. Uh, he Early in the season against Philadelphia, he had opportunities, didn't deliver. Against the Dolphins the week after, he had opportunities, did not deliver. How much can a drive like that not only help him confidence-wise, but foster a belief in the team, in the room, about what he's capable of doing? I think it's a great question because, uh, you know, you might want to say they were staring into the abyss. You know, if he throws an interception on that drive, now we're going back and looking at the recent weeks where he's had these, you know, consistent weeks of turning the ball over, critical moments. I think there's, you know, he had been uh, pulled out of the game for Bailey Zappi or consecutive weeks. Yeah. Now those questions are going to go up to a whole nother level, right? Everything's going to ratchet up. But in on that drive, there's no doubt about it. That's, that's our game. Our game is about results. It's not about the hyperbole, the what ifs. If you do it, guess what? That's what people believe in. And if you don't do it, they're not going to believe in you. And you might say that some of the hot air was coming out of that balloon. Some of the some of the faith and the confidence within the organization around them. And I can't speak for the team. I can't speak for the players. But I can definitely guarantee you with that kind of drive, there's more of a belief today um, surrounding Mac Jones than there was going into that game against the Buffalo Bills. Because it's about getting it done and doing it. And boy, did he. That was... I would say that was one of the biggest drives so far of his young career. Yeah, there's no question about that. 
I mean, you've played on teams, obviously, you know, you've been a player and, you know, you're on the defensive side of the ball when you were a player, but I think it's still important for the defense to have faith in the offense too. Do you agree? And they, listen, the Patriots are playing without their best pass rusher and Matthew Judon, mm-hmm. uh, arguably without their best cornerback and Christian Gonzalez, two guys that have been hurt and lost for you know considerable period of time. Uh, so you've got a defense that's rolling a lot of people through there, and they're just fighting tooth and nail. And if you have an offense that can't sustain drives, going three and out, um, and and punting and keeping you on the field for a large portion of the day. And I know coaches say, hey, don't worry about what the office is doing. Hey, coach, we're putting in 65 snaps a week, 70, 80 snaps. I mean, we talk about complementary football. That means all the um, important parts of the team playing together, offense, defense, special teams. And I think that's what you see. So defense does, they do have a thought about, hey, okay, offense, we need, you know, we just came off of this long drive. We held them to a field goal. We do not need the offense to go three and out here and put us back out there um, because you know what? Lombardi said fatigue makes cowards of us all. And even (laughs) the best defensive players, when fatigue starts to set in over the course of a four-quarter football game, um, you can fight as hard as you want, but after a certain point of fatigue of 70 to 80 snaps in a game, uh, the offense is going to begin to have their way with you. So, yeah, no, it it matters that the quarterback is is competent, is sufficient enough to have sustainable drives to make it a real complimentary effort. Before the season, most of us thought, oh my God, the AFC East is going to be the superpower this year. Just like last year, we thought the AFC West was going to see be the superpower and that didn't quite materialize. What are you seeing from the AFC East teams and... You know, if the Patriots are somehow able to beat Miami on Sunday, they would be three and one in the division. And, you know, right now, Buffalo and the Jets have three losses. Miami would have three losses. Do you do you think things are far from settled in that division? No, there's a lot of football left to be played. Mm -hmm. And uh, knowing Bill Belichick the way that I do, and how his teams, they they always uh, get better over the course of the season. They don't get worse. They get better. They, they're going to get better. He even says it. We don't know what we got until we get through the month of September. And then they can start tweaking and fixing and sort of managing that. And so, no, there's a lot of these teams in the AFC East are closely stacked. No Aaron Rodgers, I think, has leveled the playing field a little bit. The Jets have a really good defense. They've got some really good components on offense and, and the running back, Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. Zach Wilson can protect the football and they can call a game where they get to rely on the running game. I, I think the Jets are still going to surprise some people, to be honest with you. I think the Buffalo Bills will always be there because they have a quarterback who's, I think Josh Allen's very special. I do think the injuries to Matt Milano on the defense side of the ball, as well as Tredavious White, it's kind of helped level the playing field for them, right? That's why you saw a Patriots offense went right down the field on them. So they're missing some pieces on defense, not to mention Vaughn Miller. Um, and so I named you some injuries, whether it's the Jets or whether it's the Bills. Um, the Dolphins are starting to experience maybe a little bit of adversity with Jalen uh, Waddle in and out of the lineup. Devon Achan, he's missing. Um, this guy was phenomenal, the rookie running back 
he's missing some time now. So we're starting to see a level of the playing field between those four teams. Uh, I The Patriots right now in fourth place, but they're within striking distance of being in first place by the time it's all said and done. I, I'm not writing anyone off here. And I think the Eagles showed you that uh, the Dolphins are not superhuman, <laughs> that, that they can be slowed down. Well, if you were the Patriots, what if they, so? If they do lose in Miami, and now they're two and six, trade deadline uh, coming up on Tuesday. Are you of the view that they should start trading off parts uh, to kind of resettle, start over for next year, or how do you how do you view that? I know I I don't think Belichick wants to sell anything off, but <laughs> what do you think? No, I, don't, I don't think he'll sell off any parts because I think he realizes that this team can continue to get better. And I do think they've had enough injuries where they, you know, they're trying to acquire bodies as you, you saw when they went and got uh, JC Jackson based on the fact they've got so many corners who are, who are hurt. And you know, that that plays that, that position plays a strong role in how he imagines the defense will perform each and every week. I think they believe they're going to get some of those guys back from injury. So that's going to allow them to get better. I don't see them thinking that someone outside of the building is going to walk in that door and make them better. Um, I do, I do believe I'll leave room open for this acquiring a good pass rusher. If, Mm -hmm. if that door opened, then I think they might, they might look at it, but they're not going to offer a King's ransom in -hmm. order to get that done. But if they can add to the pass rush, Given um, the fact that they've lost Matthew Judon for a considerable period of time, I think it might be up for consideration. Um, but uh, I, I think most of the answers in Coach Belichick minds lies with the players that are currently in the building. Well, I think the biggest thing in the Buffalo game, you know, along with Mac, I think they kind of go hand in hand. They finally found a combination on the offensive line. <laughs> that yeah. allowed for some protection that moving on when you over to right tackle uh having rookie city sow in the right next to him at right guard seemed to stabilize things and you know Ra- mac wasn't under duress every time he every time he dropped back i mean if that line has now going to be uh, you know not a detriment going forward i i th- i can see them winning more games for sure. Well, there's no doubt that I think that's one of the biggest areas of disappointment uh, mm-hmm. for the Patriots um, so far this season has been an offensive line where they've always been very good in that space and in that area, whether they were coached by Dante Scarnectia or whether they just had the, the sure talent up front on the offensive line. They were always really good at protecting the quarterback. They were always really good in the power run game getting the running uh, back to the second level of the defense. And from there, they could grow and build everything else. That's why they didn't really need to have this great star power at the wide receiver position. This is a passing game that always worked through the slot receiver, the tight end, or that third down running back, whether you go back to Kevin Falk, um, uh, whether it goes uh, back to uh, whether it's James White or whatever. I mean, they always had good tight ends. A good slot receiver, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman. That's how it worked. It was never the guy outside, unless you had a Randy Moss, right? If the Raiders were going to give them to you for free, then you go ahead and take them. But it was really about that tight end slot receiver and the running back. 
and uh, but they always had the good offensive line. And that's mm-hmm. where this year I think they've really struggled with protecting the quarterback. And mm-hmm. that's where you see Mac Jones at times when he did panic and put the ball at risk and had this high volume of turnovers is because he was getting hit, hurried, and harassed. And um, and they did a much better job of protecting him against the Buffalo Bills. I think they only gave up one sack in the entire game. You're right. And only, I think, four pressures. So um, I think they might have found their slot receiver with Pop Douglas, the rookie out of Liberty. And it uh, be interesting to see. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster has been in the concussion protocol. A lot of people would like to see more time and more snaps for this kid because he's electric with the ball in his hands. Yeah, I watched uh, Douglas, uh, Demario Douglas um, operate. I had to go back through some of my files. I was like, oh, what? Because you just got the sense that Belichick was going to start making some changes. Um, right. Given the fact that this offense wasn't working. And again, a lot of us uh, around the country are saying, where, where are the explosive plays going to come from? We can't put all this on Matt Jones. You need to have um, some guys who can make people miss in space. Okay, mm-hmm. yards after catch get separation and coverage. And they seem to found that in Douglas. There, there is no doubt about that. Um, he's able to get open. Um, I do believe the tight ends, whether it's Hunter Henry or Mike Gusecki, I think they work uh, for this offense. Again, if they're you're looking for tight end production, these are two guys that you should be able to find it from. So you, you're right. It looks like the pieces are starting to come together. And that's why I said, I just think holding uh, firm with the players that they have, I think that's the answer. Is getting these players that are in the building to become more productive. And if listen, if they're if it ain't working out, you know he's going to continue to look uh, deeper in the same room, right? He'll find a guy, even if it's at the end of the bench. Well, as I said, you know, having them win Sunday, you know, piques some curiosity is about as to where it's going to go from here. Solomon, I thank you for spending the time with us and uh, providing the outside perspective and offering great insights. Thank you so much. Thanks, Karen. You're the best. Uh, and I got to just tell everyone what a great pro you are and and uh, just a wonderful help that you've been to people like myself throughout my career and for many others. You're the best. So, you know, anytime you call, uh, I'm here. So thanks for having me. This has been Ion Foxborough, brought to you by Mass Live.